God helping us, um, I pray we should be able to manage the time. Because actually looking at the looking at the ten plagues within the period of less than thirty minutes, it's not going to be <laughs> an easy task. So um, I'm not going to go too um, theological or too deep, so that I'll be able to uh, cover um, what is needed to be covered. Uh, first, I I want to say that Moses was called by God with a very important assignment. As an instrument in the Lord's hand, he performed many wonders, attempting to convince Pharaoh to allow the Israelites freedom from bondage of slavery. These wonders are more commonly referred to as plagues sent from the God of Israel as a proof that the one true God was far greater than all the multiple gods of the Egyptians. May I quickly say that many naturalistic theologians see these plagues as natural events. But here in this discourse or in this sermon, I want to see them. I want to see the plagues as natural, as supernatural events. The plagues will be evaluated as God's direct supernatural attack on the Egyptian pantheon of gods. Of course, we know that pantheon of gods is a combination of uh, many gods. So within that pantheon of gods, have about nine of them. So, of course, we could understand why we have the ten plagues. We'll get to that later. Now, why ten? Why ten plagues? If you count them, you'll be able to count ten of them. Why the number ten? The number ten is very significant. It's a very significant uh, number. It's a very significant number in biblical numerology. It represents fullness of quantity. Ten Egyptian, Egyptian plagues means, it means that the whole of the land, the whole of their lives was plagued. Every aspect of their life was touched by these plagues. Just as the Ten Commandments became symbolic of the fullness of the moral law of God, the ten ancient plagues of Egypt represent the fullness of God's expression of justice and judgment upon the nation of Egypt. These ten Egyptian plagues not only demonstrated the power of God to Moses, the children of Israel, the Egyptians, and Pharaoh, but they were of such magnitude that they will be remembered for all generations throughout the entire world. And of course, that is why we are still studying them today. 
And now, what I want to do at the moment is to see how we can correspond each of the plagues to a particular Egyptian god and see how God decided to disarm Pharaoh because the boldness, of course, in, in my uh, culture, there is a proverb or a saying that goes this way, that if somebody is putting his hand upon his chest, two things are involved. One is either the person has money or the person has demonic powers. So when Pharaoh, uh, the, the stubbornness of Pharaoh is not just ordinary. He had his hope upon these gods. He believed that they were supreme. No any other god. So what God was trying to do was actually to disarm Pharaoh. To make these gods to be useless, to be powerless. In order to demonstrate to Pharaoh that he is the almighty God. So we want to see how it happened. First, uh, can you go to the next slide, Rua? You could see, uh, we want to look at the Egyptian god of the Nile. The Egyptian god of the Nile. Of course, the first plague was given to the Egyptian from God, that was given to the Egyptian from God was that of turning the water into blood. Of course, as we read, as Aaron, the spokesman of Moses, touched the rod of the Lord to the Nile River, it immediately turned to blood. The Bible says that all the fish, they died, and the river became very stinky. Partially unable to, to duplicate this miracle, the magicians of Pharaoh also turned water into blood. Leaving Pharaoh unimpressed with this great wonder from God. Of course, when the water was turned into blood, the Egyptian magicians, through that demonic powers, tried to duplicate this power. And of course, that gave Pharaoh a kind of hardened heart. Yes, I know that my gods can do it. So, in that moment, Pharaoh was not touched. The Bible says that he hardened his heart. But by turning the water into blood, God demonstrated that yes, he has power over the Egyptian God of the Nile. The God that is in charge of the water. The God that is in charge of that particular river. He demonstrated that yes, his God is more powerful than that particular God. Bible said that seven days the water throughout all the land of Egypt remained in that state unsuitable for drinking. The perfect length of time to demonstrate that the Lord was superior to all the other gods of Egypt. The second, Egyptian goddess of fertility. They believe that this goddess is in charge of fertility. Human fertility, animal fertility, fertility, uh, land fertility, whatever. Once you plant your crops, this is the God. They make sacrifices to another, you know, for them to have good produce, you know, 
for their women to have children and all that. So you have to, you know, um, worship this particular God, do sacrifices and all that. So, and Pharaoh so much had confidence in this particular, you know, God. So what happened? God demonstrated his power by bringing frogs coming from the Nile, from the Nile River. And that is the second uh, plague. The second plague that was extended upon Egypt from the rod by Aaron was that of frogs. The Bible says the frogs came up from the river and were in their houses, in their food in their clothing, in every place possible, from the greatest to the least. No one in Egypt escaped the plague of frogs. Pharaoh's magicians were able to bring more frogs in their attempt to imitate the power of frogs. Of course, as I always say that, Satan is an imitator. He wants to imitate whatever God is trying to do in order to convince people that he has power. So in this case, of course, those of us who who grew up in the African culture. We have seen magic. You know, you don't see magic here, but of us, because of our cultural background, we have seen magic where people can perform magic when we talk about magic. So when I was going through this passage, I understand what it actually you know, means for the magicians to come out and also command, use their you know, magical powers and all that and bring out frogs from the river. You know, in order to demonstrate that, yes, their God is powerful. But something is very significant here. Only Moses was able to make the frogs go away. <laughs> when they brought the frogs, you know, they, they do not have the power. They didn't have the power to, you know, command the frogs to disappear. It was that of God alone that was able to, you know, let the, make the frogs to go away. This was another attack on a famous Egyptian goddess, the goddess of fertility, water, and renewal. Yeah, the, six, the third god we want to look at is the Egyptian god of the earth. They believe that this god is in charge of the earth, you know, everything that exists in the earth is the god that is in charge of it. So, God demonstrated his power over this God through Moses by bringing lies from the dust of the earth. After the first and second plague, the Bible say, says that the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Still, Pharaoh would, would not conceive even after this display of power from the Lord, he would not let them go. At the command of the Lord to Moses, Aaron was told to stretch forth his rod and smite the dust of the earth. When he did, the Bible says, dust became lies throughout all the land on both people and beasts. Now, I want to draw a kind of analogy here. The very dust that was referred to in, this, in the creation process of man 
Of course, remember the Bible said that man is from dust. The same dust that was used to create man is not used to plague man. As a reminder that only the almighty God has the power to create and also to destroy. That is significant. God decided to demonstrate, look, Pharaoh, I am the owner of the earth. I have the power to create. And I also have the power to destroy. The same dust from whom I was created. The same dust became a plague unto the land of Egypt. In this display of superiority, the magicians of Pharaoh were humiliated, being unable to compete with this power. They could not, you know, duplicate this particular one. You, you see the way the, 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 the plague, the demonstration of superiority is ascending. The first one, they try to duplicate and all that. But in this case, you see, it is ascending. They were unable to, to compete in this power that was so much greater than themselves. And the power that they had from their Egyptian gods and goddesses. And here, they profess, they said, this is the finger of God. That was their statement. They, they are now coming to the knowledge that, yes, this is not ordinary. There is a supernatural being, a greater power that is on, in operation here. So they confess that this is the finger of God. This was the last plague that required Pharaoh's involvement. As the next set of three plagues are issued by the word of Moses himself. Now, let's look at this particular uh, God, the God of creation, movement of the sun, Rebet. This is the, um, the God that is in charge of the sun, you know, Rebet and all that. And of course, when we talk about Rebet, uh, those of us in the Western world, um, we understand it differently. But those of us in the African, when you, you study the African cosmology, it's quite different from the the European cosmology. The European cosmology is more uh, monistic. What I mean by that is they, they view the human um, existence as basically physical. You know, they don't give anything, um, they don't give spiritual interpretation to events. You know, if something happens, the question they ask may be an accident. The question that will be asked is, what is the mechanical force? But in Africa, <laughs> the question that will be asked, <laughs> what is the diabolical power that is involved? <laughs> so the, 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 the African cosmology is, um, is dualistic. They look at both physical and the spiritual. What could be the physical factor and what could be the spiritual factor? And so when we talk about rebirth, rebirth, you know, life, they, they see life as something that is revolving, there's no end to life. You know, um, when you die, death is not seen as, as death as we know it. It's a kind of a circle. So they believe that you are going to come back again. So this is the God that is in charge, rebirth. So when a child is born, the question that will be asked is, who in the family that 
that has reincarnated. So they believe that, you know, when a child is born, somebody in the family has reincarnated. So that is rebirth. So it's not rebirth in the Christian understanding. It's rebirth in the African understanding. So this is the God that is in charge of that particular, you know, understanding. So this is the fourth plague, actually. And this plague consists, consisted of flies. Flies, be, you know. And it's it also uh, about the miracle of separation or differentiation because this particular plague did not actually touch the Israelites. As at this point, God decided to separate the Israelites from the plague. All the other ones, you know, the Israelites have been partaking, but in, in this particular one, there's a kind of separation and differentiation. The Bible says that Moses met Pharaoh at the Nile River in the morning and made a demand, speaking on behalf of the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. Again, Pharaoh hardened his heart and disregarded the request resulting in a pronouncement of swarms of flies. This time, however, only the Egyptians were affected by the judgment. Of course, like I said, all plagues, all other ones, the Israelites, you know, partook in them and all that. But this particular one, the Israelites didn't partake of it. This wonder also moves the Egyptians the Egyptians into a very discomforting situation. Because the flies were all over. And of course, when Pharaoh saw that the flies were all over, he started a bargain with the Lord, showing his desire to maintain power and authority over God. And of course, that is what the devil does. Of course, we know about the temptation of Jesus, kind of bargain. So he started a bargain. He tries to dictate the terms and condition of the offer, telling them they may sacrifice, but only in the land, clearly, clearly not complying with his requested three days' journey that the Lord required. But of course, we know Moses wouldn't, you know, budge into it. And Pharaoh relented, allowing them to leave, but telling them not to go very far. Of course, that is the business of the devil. The devil does not want people to go far with the Lord. He always tries to make sure you don't have a walk with Jesus. That is basically the business. Anything that is of the Lord, the devil tries to oppose it. They try to discourage people from serving God. They say, you may go, but you must not go far. But it's my prayer that in our journey with the Lord, we will go far with him in the name of Jesus. The fifth plague, the goddess of mercy and peace. Of course, this is the God that is in charge of mercy and all that. When you are sick, this is the God that is in charge. So, how did God actually demonstrate that he has power over the health of men, not this particular God? 
Moses once again demanded of Pharaoh, let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh wouldn't, you know, allow the children of Israel to go. And the Bible says that this particular plague, plague brought diseases and pestilence upon the land. And of course, the consequence was to cause them to die. It affected, you know, the economy. It affected their food, transportation, military supplies, farming. It affected their goods, their livestock, and all that. And yet, the heart of Pharaoh was still hard enough. I want to move very quickly because of time. Yes. This is the Egyptian goddess of the sky, in charge of the sky. So they believe that this particular god is in charge of the sky. And God demonstrated his power over this particular god by, the rain, by raining down in the form of fire. He rained down in form of fire. Of course, warning was given before the enactment of, of the, this particular plague takes place. Was a, a kind of warning was given to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is one of the impending doom that, will be, that he will face if he does not listen to the Lord and forget his own Egyptian gods. Bible says that hail of unspeakable size and ability to destroy will rain down from the sky and turn fire and turn fire as it hits the ground. Crops that were destroyed by the hail consisted of flax and belly which were ripened in the fields and were used most specifically for their clothing and libations. This destruction will make their life uncomfortable. But as far as affecting their food supply, the Lord in, in this case was trying to show to Pharaoh, there is none like me. I am in charge of the earth. I am in charge of the sky. I am in charge of everything that is in existence in the world. In other words, God is saying to Pharaoh, allow my people go. Allow those who are willing to hear his word his command. And when the people of God do the command of God, they will be saved. Let my people go. The God of the tongue and disorder. And of course, God demonstrated his power over this particular God by sending locusts from heaven. And this is the eighth plague. The Bible says that locusts were sent from heaven and this is the second wave of destruction that followed the hail. Of course, after the hail, then the locust. And this is actually to destroy whatever crops that were left intact after that display. The, 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 the eighth plague issued by the Lord had an even greater purpose than all the others. It was to be first so that Pharaoh would tell even his sons and sons' sons. In other words, God did it in order for Pharaoh to tell his generations to come the mighty things the Lord 
has done. Thus, teaching even future generations of the power of the strong hand of God over the gods and the goddesses of Egypt. The sun god, 30 days of complete darkness. Of course, you know, this is the god that is in charge of sun, you know, light and all that. They believe that this god gives light in charge of anything that gives light in the sky and all that. Now, God decided to bring darkness in order to incapacitate, to render this particular God powerless and useless. Darkness now fell upon Egypt, unannounced, as a, as a prelude to the future fate to be fed by the Egyptian empire when the message of the Lord was not heeded. And they still turned their own Egyptian goddess. And Pharaoh, after this particular display of power was, was still hardening his heart. Thirty days of palpable darkness that was so immense, it could be physically felt, cover the land of Egypt. And yet Pharaoh wouldn't allow the children of Israel to go. The son, the most worshipped God in Egypt, other than Pharaoh himself, gave the light. The Lord showed that he had control over the sun as a witness that the God of Israel had ultimate power over life and death and the sky and everything that is of the sky. The ten plagues, the ultimate power of Egypt. Of course, in Egypt, when you, when you study the pantheon of gods in Egypt, Pharaoh is at the, at the, the head. It's like, it's hierarchical. So, Pharaoh is the supreme of all the powers. When, if, when you defeat the first one, defeat the second one, the third one, they believe that Pharaoh is the ultimate. Pharaoh will be able to crush every other power that is trying to wage war against the Egyptians. So, what happened? God decided to attack this particular uh, God. The Bible says that after the plague of darkness, fear throughout the land was lifted. Pharaoh resumed his position of bargaining with the Lord and offered Moses another deal where he told Moses, since virtually all the Egyptian's animals had been consumed by the judgment of the Lord, Pharaoh now consented to the request made to let the people of God go but they may leave their animals behind. Look at how Pharaoh you know, was very freakish. He knew that the animals would be used for sacrifice for the Lord. And here he told the Israelites that they could go, but they have to leave their animals behind. This was a totally unacceptable offer, as the animals were to be used as, as the actual sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord is uncompromising. When he has set the terms, God is not a compromising God. When he sets the tone, he follows it. He doesn't compromise. And now listen, when he couldn't get the deal, Pharaoh pronounced the last deadly plague to be unleashed upon the land from his very own lips as he wants Moses. He said to Moses, get thee behind me. Take heed to thyself. See my face no more. For in the day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. 
to understand the, the voice with which Pharaoh was speaking. And then Moses said to him, Thus said the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. All the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that is seated upon his throne, even unto the firstborn, the maid servant that is behind his meal, and all the firstborn of firstborn of the beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it anymore. Very quickly, conclusion. We must understand this claim. We have to know that as children of God today, we have learned through this ratio of power that ultimately our God is more powerful than all the gods. Of course, we possess the gods in our hearts. We possess the physical image. But God is more powerful than all of them. And it requires our active obedience to receive salvation from the only true God. And of course, when Pharaoh refused to let the people of God go, he demonstrated his power. And when the children of Israel saw the power of God, they accepted the salvation of the Lord to leave the land of Egypt. And then God led them through the land of Egypt to the promised land. It's my prayer that as we have listened to this sermon, our work with the Lord will not be retarded. And God will take us to the promised land. And on the last day, we shall meet in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Augustine. That was amazing, going through the ten plagues. Uh, quite a challenge, and uh, thank you for your work on that and for your way you've uh, uh, helped explained it to us so clearly and uh, ended by helping us to see that God is more powerful than all the gods. And uh, as we think about our nation and all the challenges we face, uh, 